0: Welcome to Abergavenny Baptist Church. Our scripture reading this morning is from Matthew chapter chapter 2. I'm beginning to read at verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Well, today, January the 6th, is Twelfth Night. It's traditionally for us the last day of Christmas celebrations. It's the day when the decorations should come down and we can get back to normal again. And for lots of us, we'll probably heave a bit of a sigh of relief. But in the church calendar, it's the Feast of Epiphany. And in Spain and other Catholic countries, it's the day that children would have been waiting for with great excitement because tonight as it gets dark, the three kings dressed exotically in robes and turbans and crowns will ride through the streets at the head of a procession and give out gifts to the waiting children. So today, on the last official day of the Christmas season, we're going to look again at that familiar reading that tells us about the wise men, the magi, those royal astrologers, those men portrayed in our nativity plays as the three kings, whose story is only recounted in Matthew's gospel. We know very little about them, simply that they were magi from the east, some wise men in my New Living Translation. I'm reading those familiar verses once again. The verse that jumped out for me was verse 2. Here are the wise men asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. We have come to worship him. I've been blessed recently to have been able to attend a series of teaching on worship led by various different worship leaders. And I want to share this morning some of the things that came up in those sessions as they relate to this account and to us as worshipers. Because when we come to church on a Sunday morning, surely that's what we would say we are, a group of people coming together to worship him. Why did these wise men, these magi, travel what was probably a very long distance, several, maybe many days' journey, to reach Jerusalem? Verse 2 tells us, We saw his star as it rose. They saw the star, and there was something about that star that was significant to them. There must have been countless other stars in the sky that night. But there was something about this star that told them it was special. They had a revelation that something was happening that was so important that it couldn't be missed. So significant that it was necessary to stop everything else they were doing, to leave their homes, to get out of their comfort zones, if you like, and set off on a journey. It could have been a wild goose chase, could have been a complete waste of time and energy, but there was something about that star that made them take a risk. They simply had to be where this event was happening, where this newborn king could be found. They'd had a light bulb moment, a God sent revelation about this star and what it meant. They'd realized from their studies that it signified the birth of the king of the Jews. And their response was that they had to come and worship this newborn king. And following the revelation of the meaning of this star, that desire to worship, to be where this new king, who we know to be Jesus, was so great that for them, everything else was set aside and worship was the only thing that they wanted to do. The response to revelation, to understanding who Jesus is, what he means to us, what he's done for us, is the desire to worship him. I remember going to Cumbran to Victory Church a few years ago when we were hearing that God was doing amazing things, healing people, saving people, delivering people. It was awesome. And standing in the queue to get in, which reached right round the building, Sally smiling because she was with me, and hearing the stories of the people who had come just to be in this place where God was moving was humbling. People had come from all over Britain, indeed from across the world, and the phrase that we kept hearing was, well, I heard about it, I saw it on Facebook, and I knew I had to come because God is here. Something made me come. It's a similar thing at Valdebrennan. People travel from all over the world because they hear that something real, a move of God, is going on. And when people hear of a move of God, they know that they have to come to be there in the presence, to worship, to be part of something significant. The wise men were prepared to go on a journey, to set aside their own agendas, to change their own plans in order to worship. So what does this say to us? Have we experienced that revelation of who Jesus is? Has there been that light bulb moment that comes when we realise just who Jesus is and what he has done for us? That moment when we get it, when we know in our knower, as a friend of mine used to say, that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is real, that Jesus loves me, that Jesus is someone I can actually know, not just know about, someone who wants to be in a real relationship with me, someone who loved me so much that he died on the cross for me, someone who has done everything necessary on that cross to deal with all the bad stuff in me. All I have to do is realize that and say yes to him. And that revelation causes us to worship, to open our mouths, to lift our voices, to declare, Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, you are awesome. You are amazing. I love you. So, firstly, have we experienced that revelation of who Jesus is and what he has done for me? And then when do we worship? Is it just on a Sunday when we come to church? Or is worship our lifestyle? The psalms, like the one we began our service with this morning, are full of psalms, full of verses that call us to worship continually, to worship loudly, to worship joyfully, to worship wholeheartedly. The worship of the king started the moment they decided to travel From there on, their every minute was focused on getting to Jesus. Psalm 92 declares, It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to the Most High. It is good to proclaim your unfailing love in the morning and your faithfulness in the evening. If we truly get who Jesus is and have that living relationship with him, we can't help but worship. Because we see his hand in everything we do. We give him thanks for the good things when things are going well. And we give thanks because we know he's there in the difficult times, in the bad things. Worship is not just a now and again thing. It's it's not just a Sunday morning thing. It's a lifestyle. Where do we worship? Do we only worship when we're in church? Or is worship we can do anywhere? Do we find our hearts lifted when we see a beautiful view or hear wonderful music as we walk through town or we go about our daily routines? Do we give thanks in all circumstances, in the good times and the difficult times? If worship is our default mode, we will find ourselves worshipping wherever we are as we see Christ in all things and in all situations. Often worship is expressed in singing. God calls us to sing, and we know that the angels are continually singing God's praises. Jesus' birth was announced with a choir of angels. Revelation tells us that song surrounds the throne of heaven. Songs of worship can change the spiritual atmosphere. They can break strongholds. And I love the fact that when the armies of the Lord went out to battle, they were led by the praise warriors, singing loudly the praises of God and blowing the trumpets and the shofars. So many of our old hymns and many of our newer songs that are based on scripture, so that unlike most sermons that we quickly forget, we remember the words of spiritual songs, and they come back to us to lift us, and remind us of the truths that are in God's word. We might not be able to recall a sermon or a word of scripture, but we can often remember the lines of a hymn. I was called out late one night to a situation that was potentially going to be very difficult. And I have to admit that as I drove through the back lanes in the dark, I was scared. And into my head came that song, In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we have the victory. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, demons will have to flee. Who can tell what God can do? Who can tell of his love for you? In the name of Jesus, Jesus, we have the victory. Yes, and I tell you, I won't tell you what happened that night, but I tell you that the name of Jesus had the victory. And that song came to me and strengthened me and enabled me to go into that situation. We know that singing does something physically and mentally to lift our spirits. That's why so many community choirs are set up. And when we sing with others, we become community, linking across a room, across the globe, across history, I love the thought that we are part of a huge worldwide choir singing praises this morning, praises that started hours ago at the other end of the world and is going right across the world all through this day. The Bible tells us 46 times to sing, and whether we have a good voice or just a croak, singing is powerful. Kath Woolridge, a prominent Welsh worship leader and singer, says that the enemy knows the potential of the song in you. And he loves to give out muzzles. I love that quote. The enemy knows that singing, when we sing out praises, we are dangerous. And he tries to put a muzzle on us. And we don't want to be muzzled. Let's not allow ourselves to be muzzled. Let's open our mouths and sing praises at every opportunity. And worship is not just about singing or talking. It's about being. It's about being a different person, being a changed person, the person that we were created to be. If you go to Bethlehem and you visit the Church of the Holy Nativity, in order to enter, you have to bow right down because the doorway is very low. It's made like that on purpose, so that whether you are a believer or just a tourist, you have to bodily take on an attitude of worship an attitude of surrender. Worship is setting aside self and concentrating on him, letting him be Lord. Kath Woolridge illustrates this with the account in Luke 5, 1. When Jesus was on the shores of Galilee and the crowds were pressing in and the disciples and the fishermen had been fishing all night and they hadn't caught anything, their boats were empty. And so that he could be seen and heard, Jesus climbed into one of the empty boats and began to teach. Had the boat been full, there would have been no room for Jesus, no platform from which he could speak. But because it was empty, he could minister to the crowds and do what he came to do. Because it was empty, he was able to fill that empty space with a huge catch of fish that the disciples caught afterwards into the emptiness came the fullness of Christ. We need to empty ourselves of all the stuff we carry around with us and allow him to fill us, to work in us and through us. The wise men went to worship Jesus because they'd had a revelation from God. Herod, too, professed a desire to worship, but his desire was from the wrong motives. We know that he had no intention of worshipping Rather, his desire was self seeking, self serving, the desire to rid himself of a possible rival to his throne. So, why have we come here this morning? What were our motives for coming? Because people come to church for all kinds of reasons, sometimes through duty or tradition. Maybe it's just what we do on a Sunday. We've always come, and through habit, We've maybe lost sight of Jesus, the real reason for worship. Sometimes we come to be with our friends or to find friends. You certainly will hear because this is such a friendly church. Sometimes we come because it's our turn on the rotor to do a particular job. And nowadays there are all kinds of activities that we could be doing that vie for our attention on a Sunday morning. Have we had to make a difficult choice to be here this morning? For the wise men to worship, it took effort, preparation. They'd studied, they'd journeyed, they brought appropriate gifts. It didn't just fall into their laps, they had to make a choice, take a risk, move out of their comfort zone, and participate. So maybe at the start of the new year, As we think about new beginnings, resolutions, it's appropriate to ask ourselves, why are we here? Why am I here? What have I come for? Because we can come week by week, and sometimes it's the routine. It's the style of worship, the hymns or songs that we like to sing, the preacher we like to hear, the denomination that we belong to that become the object of our worship the reason for being here instead of Jesus. So we need to ask ourselves: have I had that revelation? Have I seen the light? Is this where I can meet with the reality of Jesus? Is there somewhere is this somewhere I want to be? Because He is here. And if we're not sure about that, we need to ask the Holy Spirit to give us. That fresh revelation of Jesus, of who he is, who he wants to be in our lives, our redeemer, our brother, our Lord, our friend. Have I come prepared, ready to meet with the living Jesus? And as a church, maybe we need to consider honestly, is this a place where Jesus can be found, where he is the the center of attention, the focus of our worship. And finally, the wise men brought their gifts. Gold, representing the very best, the most precious offering, representing authority, kingship. And then frankincense, speaking of priesthood, something, in, something that in worship can change the atmosphere representing the very presence of God, worship filled with the Holy Spirit. And then the myrrh, for anointing, for commissioning, sacrifice, surrender, a dying to self, an offering up of themselves in service to the King of Kings. We all have gifts to bring, services we can do for him, whether that is helping with coffees, welcoming on the door, coming alongside people, praying for people, running the computer. All kinds of jobs are important in the church and in our lives. But as the hymn says, what can I give him, poor as I am? If I were a shepherd, I would bring a lamb. If I were a wise man, I would do my part Yet what I can, I give him. Give my heart. The very essence of true worship is the heart. The sacrifice of a loving, willing heart. The attitude of emptying self and being open to all that Jesus wants to do in us. And after the wise men had worshipped, they went back another way. Warned in a dream to avoid Herod. The encounter with the living Lord Jesus brought breakthrough, a change of direction for them. And that's what will happen for us as we come and truly worship, as we come into that real relationship with him. So we find that we are changed, for good, for better. We can never be the same after finding him. We don't know what happened to the Magi after they returned home but we know from the testimony of countless Christians through the ages, and I'm sure the testimony of many people here in this church this morning, that after encountering Jesus, our lives take on a whole new meaning, and worship becomes a lifestyle, part of our being. We saw his star when it came, when it rose, and we have come to worship him. Let's pray. And if someone here knows that they need to have that revelation, that realisation of just who Jesus is, we're going to pray for that now. And if that is your prayer this morning, well, come and talk to me or to Mike or to someone after the service. Lord God, we thank you that you are so worthy of our worship, of our praise, of our service. Forgive us that sometimes we just go through the motions in worship and it becomes routine rather than heartfelt. We pray today for fresh revelations of Jesus, of who he is, of how much he loves us, and for that spirit of worship to rise up in us as individuals and as a church. We pray that worship would be our lifestyle, our default setting as it were. May worship be continually on our lips and may we cast off the muzzles that the enemy would seek to put on us and open our mouths to praise you in all circumstances. May we be a people who know and worship the living Lord Jesus and may this church be a place where people can come and find him. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about Abergavenny Baptist Church, please visit our website at abergavennybaptist.co.uk.